0: If you give me your time, I promise it won't be wasted. Now let's get to work. Hello everyone and welcome to another startup survival episode. Today we are talking about big swings and betting on yourself. To start or grow a company, you have to be willing to bet on yourself, period. Not just like the one time that you start a company, oh yeah, I bet on myself, but you have to bet on yourself over and over and over again while you make decisions, knowing that you you bear the entire weight of every single choice that you make. And if it all comes crashing down, you're the one that has to pick up the pieces. I don't think there's anyone better that I know to talk about this topic than my friend, Justin Welsh, who's here with me today. He's in the process of building a portfolio of companies to 5 million or more, but here's the catch. He's doing it by himself. Anyone who dreams of being a super successful solopreneur, this episode is for you. Welcome, Justin. Thanks for joining me.
1: Jackie, it's so good to be here. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it.
0: Yes. All right, so let's get right into it. I talk to entrepreneurs all the time, and whenever they say, I wanna scale, they immediately start talking about hiring employees. And that's not necessarily the only way to scale. When I started scaling, I was like, oh, better start hiring. And now I see people like you and a lot of successful solopreneurs online that are doing it in a different way. Tell me why you chose to go solo.
1: Yeah, I think it comes from having worked at really fast growing startup companies in the past, right? So my previous role was I was the SVP of sales and then eventually the chief revenue officer at a company in LA called Patient Pop. And, you know, when we were scaling and growing that company, we were doing it in the traditional ways. We were scaling demand gen, but we were also hiring people and with people come come challenges, right? And I think like I've managed people for the last decade of my life and I love managing and helping people grow, but there is definitely a tiring part to it. And when I came to growing my own business, I wanted to take a look at growing through systems and processes before I grew through employees. And I think that I was able to do that really effectively for a few different reasons. One is um, it, it's in my background. Like as a sales leader, you had to establish really good systems and processes. I've brought those over and I've helped to use those to automate my business so that it could grow You know, in the middle of the night so that if people come to my website, they can buy my products, they can sign up for my coaching packages. All of that stuff is completely automated. And, and I think the other part of what allows me to do that is sort of how I'm thinking about this which is I don't want to build a billion-dollar company. I'm building a lifestyle business. So the more people that I, I hire, the further I get away from from achieving that sort of outcome, which is why I keep it really small and lean.
0: Yeah. I, that's something I didn't realize when I started building my agency, which we're a team of what, like 18 right now. And you kind of work yourself back into having a job. And I mean, that's great if that's what you want to do. And that's the kind of like pressure that you want to have. But if you want to have the ability to travel and move and do all of those things, I think going the solo route is a great option. Talk to me about what are the levers that you pull to actually scale without employees?
1: Yeah, for me it's it's mostly around content creation and then it's establishing the back-end automations behind the content creation. So the content creation is all the top of funnel and middle of funnel stuff. My landing pages, my website, a lot of my asks, those do sort of the heavy lifting at the bottom. So some ways that I've I've increased my top of funnel and therefore worked it down through the bottom and scaled my business is things like adding a new newsletter, which has grown from uh, no subscribers to over 10,000 subscribers in less than a week. Um, Wow probably creating a new podcast stream which i'll I'll likely be doing here soon it's doubling up my uh my content production on linkedin it is um going after twitter really hard for the last 16 weeks those are all things that i can do because writing is something that i've become used to over the last three years so it's really scaling up content production which requires for my part my business no help but just drives those meaningful impressions at the top of the funnel and then they run through the funnel middle and bottom and out the bottom comes three X, you know, the revenue if you if you three X the impressions at the top. So that is really the driving engine behind my
0: business. So a really, really solid funnel. And I saw that you mentioned that you massively increased your prices, which is another way to scale revenue without scaling employees. If you're charging that, I think you said you were charging two fifty to start and then you five X'd it. Is that what I read?
1: Yeah, it's, it's actually, it's kind of a weird story, which is when I came out as an advisor, which was my first business, my first business was consulting and advising early stage SaaS companies. Um, as I sort of niche down, I came out and I was like, I don't know how to price myself. What do I price? 250 an hour sounds like a lot of money. And so I was like, hey, I'll work with any SaaS, advi- uh, any SaaS founder, anyone who wants to grow. And so that seemed to work really well. People came, they paid. And I was like, okay, I'm really enjoying working with these companies, but I especially enjoy earlier stage companies between 1 million and 10 million in revenue. I like the figuring it out you know, part of that process versus like everything's established and the playbook's already written. I don't love that as much. And then I started to go back to my roots, which is healthcare technology. And pretty soon I stopped working with anyone except for early stage, SMB SaaS so transactional in the healthcare technology vertical which is like very very niche so there's yeah. you know a few thousand companies but that's my whole background I've spent a decade growing two uh, you know nearly unicorn companies in that in that vertical and so when I did that I just nudge my prices up over time started at 250 an hour and most recently I've been able to push those up to about 2000 an hour so it's almost a 8 or 9x increase and do I lose more uh, you know, uh, pitches and demos and climb, of course, but like, For it doesn't sure. matter. It doesn't matter because I don't lose nine X more. So right. I work with significantly less clients, but I make either the same or a little bit more money. And, and the time is better spent, which frees me up to create that content that I talk about, which drives my other businesses.
0: I feel like that's the dream where people say, you know, like spending less time making more money. I don't see literally anything wrong with that. And I think that it's almost a fear thing where a lot of people think that they are unworthy. They don't deserve to make that much. And if you have the background and you can fill your pipeline with people that'll pay, I don't know, why not? I want to shift gears a tiny bit. I see you talking on LinkedIn a lot about building for yourself and how everyone should do it. Now I have a team that over half of them have their own companies or side hustles. So I totally believe that, you know, if you want to try it, you should, do you really think that everyone is cut out to be an entrepreneur?
1: I don't know. And that's, that's the whole, that's the whole piece of it, which is like, there's this really funny thing that goes on where if, Somebody says, I want to be a doctor or a nurse or a firefighter or an astronaut or whatever. We're all like, yeah, you can do that. That's awesome. Go, go after your dreams. And then someone says like, oh, I want to be an entrepreneur. entrepreneur. And the, the most common feedback is like, oh, well, not everyone's meant to do that. Says who? Like we, we don't, we don't need babysitters in, in, you know, as, as professional adults, right. I, 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 in what, what right do I have to go out and say, oh, well, not everyone is meant to be an entrepreneur. Like I'm sure Jackie, in some, some time during your career that someone told you that you might not make it, or you weren't cut out to be an entrepreneur. I've heard it myself. I'm sure you've heard it. Right. And and just watching you succeed, watching me succeed are just showing you that that's not necessarily true. And so it's not that I think that actually everyone is going to be a successful entrepreneur, but I'm certainly not in the position to tell people that they're not going to be. And so I don't.
0: And they don't know if they don't try. I, I right. see a lot of like people coming out with the contrary content, like reminder, everyone doesn't have to be an entrepreneur. And the message is more... Well, shit, try it. You know, if you want to, you might as well.
1: Yeah. And I think that's a lot of projection by people. I think people project their own insecurities and like they haven't taken the steps. So they want to remind other people that they don't have to do it as well. And I'm just the opposite. Like, go do your thing. Give it a try and tell me if you're cut out or let the market tell me if you're or tell you if you're cut out to be an entrepreneur.
0: I love that. Over the last couple of years, I've watched you launch multiple courses and then go ahead and publish your sales numbers, which, by the way, is really cool. And you've had insane first day sales. You've had ongoing success afterward. If you could give me just a couple steps to launching a course successfully and building that brand that makes money overnight, tell me what they are.
1: I think a lot of it has to do with building momentum. So momentum comes from like people's following and interest in what you talk about. And so I think the first thing is, if you want to grow a a following of people who are interested in what you produce, first thing you have to do is be very specific. And so like step one, be specific. And what I mean by that is I go on social media and people are like, I'm a leadership coach. And today I'm talking about leadership. And then tomorrow it's like, it's my son's birthday. And then Wednesday, it's like, you know I applied for this job and didn't get it. And then Thursday is like, this is my favorite kind of food. And Friday I'm traveling. And it's like, those are missed opportunities. Like When I go on social media, if you're talking about marketing, I want to hear you talk about marketing every day. I want to learn something new. I want to be informed, educated, entertained, and people don't do that. So step one is like generating momentum and staying really, really consistent. Mm -hmm. I think step two is giving people a behind the scenes look. So whenever I launch my courses, I always pre-sell. I I usually sell a lot of courses before the course has a title or it's even step one is even built. So it's like number two is just validate that people will actually buy what you want. And I like to do that by like really talking about the same topic nonstop until I launch the course. So for example, before I launched the LinkedIn operating system, like all I did nonstop for 60 days was tell people why LinkedIn is such a great place to be and why it's so important. So kind of like priming, right? That, that sort of uh, audience to get ready to buy something that's related to that thing. And then I think like, cause some FOMO, cause a little you know fear of missing out. So big discount, small window, uh, I think makes people really want to get in and make an impulse buy. I'm not a masterclass guy. I don't charge $1,400. I make my products impulse buys. So it's like, You might want to buy it, bought it, right? Bought it right on the spot. And I like to price things that people can make quick decisions. And then I use those discounts to drive urgency and to drive FOMO. And then I think the last thing is to pull the curtains back and share what you're building. So I like to build in public. I like to Mm -hmm. share as the slides are being built. I like to share sneak previews of the the presentation. I like to share the numbers. I like to really... I like people to, to feel like they're on a journey. And I think the more that they feel like they're on a journey with you, the more trust you build, the more that they're attached to you as a person and the more likely they are to say, what the hell, this thing's only $99. Why don't I go ahead and, and support this guy just because I like, I like watching what he's building. So those are like the four steps or four, four tips I might give people for launching.
0: Yeah, I missed a few of those when I launched my first course last year. Like I did the pre-sale and we had a decent first day, but I didn't talk about it enough beforehand. And some of that is that imposter like, oh, I have this community that I'm giving value to. And do I want to sell to them? And are they going to be annoyed? And, you know, it's all things in your own head that sure. you have to get over in order to build that momentum. All okay. right. I just have one question left for you. I wanna talk about how the email that I got last week that it said removal and I was like, did I accidentally unsubscribe from all of Justin's emails? No, you went and unsubscribed everyone from your email lists, which is something that marketers would never dream of doing because the email list you've built is like gold to them. That is a big swing and that's exactly what we're talking about today. How did you decide to do that and why?
1: Yeah, um, I really wanna focus on like, adding value and delivering smart content to people that really, really want to hear it from me. And so, I've accrued 15 to 20,000 email followers or subscribers over the course of the last three years. And they've subscribed to a million different things. You know, they've gotten on my email list because they purchased a product or because they subscribed to something I stood up and then shut down after six months because I wasn't good at keeping it going. And so there's all these sort of email addresses floating around. And I thought the worst thing that I could do was auto-subscribe all of those people to my new newsletter. And I think that's a really good way to get marked as spam. I think it's a really good way to have a low open rate. I think it's a really good way to piss people off that weren't expecting to be on a new newsletter they didn't sign up for, and so I actually stole the idea of that removal email from a guy named Julian Shapiro. Um, He sent it to me a year prior, and I I saw it and I thought, oh my god, what does this mean? Like, and I opened it up and I was like, wow, that was a great subject line. Number one and number two, like you know, a lot of guts to do all this. And I was like, hey this guy's already done this effectively. I'm going to steal this technique, right? I'll shamelessly steal this technique. And, and so I did. And the response was overwhelming. Like, I must have gotten at least a hundred replies where like, this is awesome. Thought I did something wrong. Can't wait for the new newsletter. Thanks for giving me the opportunity to make my own choice. Like, I think one person wrote back and was like, oh, you're putting the burden on me. And I'm like, great, you're blocked. Um, so, uh, <laughs> so you know, it was it was really well received by my audience. And like, here's the outcome. I got 10,000 people still on my email list. And when I sent my first issue of the Saturday solopreneur, I had a 73% open rate, which is
0: wow. pretty incredible. That is incredible. We're like creeping into the forties and I'm like, yay, I'm happy. <laughs> I was shocked. <laughs> oh, that That is amazing. All right. With just like 10 seconds left, if listeners were walking away with just one takeaway from today, what is it?
1: I think the biggest takeaway from today is anybody can be an entrepreneur. It's just what you define entrepreneur to mean. Entrepreneur doesn't mean SaaS founder, it doesn't mean billion-dollar startup builder, it doesn't mean unicorn person, like it doesn't mean any of those things. Everybody out there can think of an idea, something that frustrates their prospects or customers work a few hours a week on standing up a solution and go out there and deliver something of value to their audience or following. And if you do that, you can make an extra couple hundred, extra couple thousand, maybe extra couple $10,000 to pay your mortgage, pay off your car, take your family on vacation. And so all I wanna do is encourage people to think of the most basic and simplistic way that they can get started as a solopreneur or someone with their own side hustle.
0: I love that. I love it. I support it. And I encourage even my employees to do the exact same thing. Nice. All right, Justin, thank you so much for joining me today. And everyone out there listening, if you got value today, and I know you did, I would love for you to just share this episode with one person, only one person that needs to hear this message. And I will see you next time.